to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a community gardener, and a person who knows cheap food is not cheap. Karen Olson Johnson's not able to be with us, but behind the glass is Eric and Sam. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. Uh, and we are live, so we can take calls today, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Love for you to join the conversation. Um, and later in the program, um, during our last segment, the producer of Farmers for America, a documentary to celebrate and support young farmers, will be joining us by phone. The film points out that the average age of the U.S. farmer is 60, and half of American farmland is going to change change hands in the next 12 years. Graham Merriweather will be talking about the showing of his documentary um, at the University of Minnesota on March 1st. And he says his is a story of young people who are stepping up. And very pleased to have in studio a young person who has stepped up. She's created a social enterprises enterprise which raises money for great community groups like the Immigrant Law Center of Minnesota while supporting a local and liberated food system. Welcome to the show, Emily. Emily Torgensen. Um, you're the executive director of Eat for Equity. Good morning. Thanks Good so morning. Much for having me here. Thanks. So let's begin talking about your event you got coming up. Sure. It's called the Welcome Table. So this is a series of dinners that Eat for Equity uh, produces and has for the last few years. It's a four-course meal. Each course is designed by a different cook as a way to tell a story from their family, their family history, their immigration story. And uh, the meal itself raises money for an organization that works with immigrants and refugees. So this uh, this dinner on March 3rd supports the Immigrant Law Center of Minnesota. In the past, we've supported organizations like American Refugee Committee, CETUL, uh, which stands for Centro de Trabajadores Unidos en Lucha, uh, so Center for Workers United in Struggle, and, um, and the Advocates for Human Rights. So this is a great family-style um, meal that really uses food as a way of connection and storytelling. Um, what we hope is that people sit across the table from somebody that they don't know, um, from, uh, from a neighborhood that they is different than their own, and they share a part of their own immigration story. So cooks, these are not professional cooks. Uh, these are people who have a story to tell through food, and, um, and, and the food is amazing. Um, <laughs> we have, um, for this dinner, we've got cooks with uh, backgrounds from China, Bulgaria, um, <laughs> okay, I'm like thinking of all the people. <laughs> but there's a, so it's 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 Saturday, March third. Um, it's at six in the evening. It's in St. Paul, and if people want to sign up, they can sign up for this meal. Yeah, I would encourage people to sign up soon. We have a limited number of spots available at this amazing event space called Pika. Uh, Pika is in St. Paul, um, next to Lake Monster Brewing, and just off of 94 in Vandalia. And they have generously donated this space for the last couple of years uh, to host welcome table dinners. Okay, so then, um, and people can get details on your website again, and that address is eatforequity.org eatforequity.org So what's the cost of this meal? It's essentially whatever you decide it is. So we, our mission is to build a culture of generosity through sustainable community feasts. And for us, a culture of generosity means giving what you can, uh, giving of yourself, and deciding what generosity means to you. So we suggest a donation of $25 and we also encourage people to give more and to give less if they need, if they want. Um, also, all of our dinners are volunteer made. And so people give their time to cook, chop onions, um, share their stories, open up their spaces, play music. Uh, we've got at this next event, we're going to have um, artists who are donating their time doing live screen printing and uh, watercolor painting of people's favorite food. So there are so many different ways that people give to these dinners. And it's actually pretty amazing, I think, when you, when you have an open price tag, when people name what they can give, um, you're surprised by their generosity and creativity and yeah we're going to be talking about this some more during the show but i just find this such a kind insane economic 
infrastructure that you have <laughs> in this 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 part. And uh, right now, our whole system is very unkind and insane. The economic infrastructure. So having said that, you're, so I come to this meal, and the suggested donation is $25. There's a lot of cost, and I want to support the Immigration Center of Minnesota. So if I can afford to pay more, I can. But if I want to bring my talents, I can, and everything is welcomed at the table. Absolutely. I think it's really important to eat for equity, to create spaces where everybody feels welcome, and everybody feels like they have something to give. Um, so... Yes, I want you to come if you can't give any money. I want you to come if you can give a lot of money. I want you to feel like you're welcome at the table and um, and just as valued as the person next to you. And uh, never want cost to be a reason why people don't come to our events. Really? Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> Okay, I love so, this. I love so this. let me just tell you how Eat for Equity started, and then maybe you can see right. it in that context. So, I was a college student on financial aid uh, going to Boston University. I lived in a cooperative house for women on financial aid who otherwise probably couldn't afford a college education. Um, and that's why the house was started. We cooked for each other, we cleaned for each other, we built community um, with each other, and also around food. So, you cooked. Um, just a few times a semester since there were so many people living in the house. Um, but when you cooked, you really gave of yourself. You thought about the meal that you were going to make. It was a reflection of you. I mean, so I was um, a Minnesota transplant, and I made Minnesotan, I made a Minnesotan-themed meal with hot dish and jello salad. And, you know, you wanted to use food to tell people who you were. And my senior year was when Hurricane Katrina hit, and I felt really affected by it and also felt like, what do I have to give? Like, I I don't have any money to give. Um, what can I do? And uh, it wasn't until winter break when I was paging through a cookbook thinking about what I was going to make for the my house meal. And I saw a recipe for jambalaya and sort of said out loud, if I made a New Orleans-themed meal, do you think people in the house would throw in a buck or two for hurricane relief? And my friend said, yeah, but let's invite everybody we know and let's make this a party. And, <laughs> and this was in 2006. And let's try it. Yeah. Yeah, it was in 2006. <laughs> and um, when we, we wrote up hand-drawn invitations, we called it Eat for Equity. We gave them to everybody we knew. And our suggested donation was 3 to $5 because that's what we could give. And yet, you know, 100 people showed up. They all gave whatever they could. And we raised a few hundred bucks. Um, and and since it's a common ground relief in, in New Orleans and just that idea of like I I I this organization started when I could only give three to five dollars and my time. And and yet like just wanting to create opportunities for everybody to give what they can. It's such a human thing. We all have something of value to give. That, so. is, that is that is really cool. I want to step back in your personal life. Um, so you were born in Lanesboro, but then at three you moved. Yeah, my parents moved uh, to a refugee camp in the Philippines uh, with me in tow, and that's where my brother was born. Uh, we lived there for two years. They It was a essentially a, a final a final camp for people who'd already been classified as refugees and were receiving language classes, cultural training was the, the final place before they would um, go to their their next home. And, uh, and these were primarily Vietnamese people. Um, and I lived, we lived in community with, with other, with the refugees and also staff members. And um, yeah, and then after a couple of years in the Philippines, we moved to Hong Kong where my Parents continued to work in uh, work with refugees and in international development, and we were there for five years before going back to uh, Minnesota, where I was I was raised in southeastern Minnesota on a on a hobby farm, and yeah, it was an incredible childhood, and got to grow up as as both a global citizen and as someone who you know came to really. Uh, connect to and value the work of farmers and um, and a connection to food. And, and an understanding of the meaning of community. 
Do you think that's part of the rooting of your life is to, to have some sense of, of being in with other people and, and with community? I think so, yes. And also, I, I, I guess for me personally, I, I find a, um, a tension between community and, uh, and, and, and adventure as well, right? Oh, fun. I <laughs> and like to that. find community and adventure and to find adventure in, in the community. So again, the, your, your dinner is going to be Saturday, March 3rd, and people can sign up for it at eatforequity.org, and that's going to support the Immigrant, Immigrant Law Center of Minnesota. Yes, that's right. Um, and we have monthly community feasts for a cause. Uh, they're not always as, as um, formal as the welcome table, um, but we have um, pop-up community feasts, house parties, farm dinners, um, and throughout the year, all supporting great causes um, that address inequities in our community. And those causes can be nominated by anyone. So you can nominate an organization that you're a supporter of, that you're a board member of, that you work for, and then our, our volunteer committee will look through those and, and choose the organizations that we support throughout the year. Cool. And um, we are live right now, so we can take your calls. The call-in number is 952-946-6205. That's 952-946-6205. This is Laura Headland. Karen Olson Johnson is not able to be with us, uh, but next week we'll be together again. And um, I want to I want to end this segment with this connection, this, this quote from E.O. Wilson from his book, uh, The Social Conquest of Earth. We can have the beginnings of a paradise if we do three things. Use the unrelenting application of reason, have a basic sense of kindness and an understanding of who we are. Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis, and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Common Roots Cafe is the perfect spot for the whole family to get delicious, local, and organic food. They have a great kids' menu equipped with games and coloring, while parents can enjoy a great local beer, wine, or specialty cocktail. It's never been a fad or a marketing ploy to make everything from scratch with local and organic ingredients. It's always been an unwavering commitment. If they can buy it local and organic, or get it from their on-site garden, they will. Common Roots is located off 26th and Lindale and online at commonrootscafe.com. Tom Hartman here letting you know that better energy is finally affordable. With All Energy Solar, Minnesota's number one local home solar provider, you can go solar with little or no money down. Qualified property owners could even see a return on investment in less than one year. Excel Energy's Solar Rewards Incentive Program is available first come, first serve, and federal tax credits are available for a very limited time. Schedule your free solar assessment today. Visit allenergysolar.com. That's allenergysolar.com. The fine folks at Common Good Books will help you find the perfect book for you or the book lover in your life. Find a huge selection from a locally owned and independent bookseller in the Twin Cities. They are always bringing in top authors from around the globe for special in-store events. Open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Sundays, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Find Common Good Books at 38 South Snelling Avenue in St. Paul or shop online at commongoodbooks.com. Six years ago, Dr. Emily Stein was confronted with a life-changing situation. Her grandmother developed rheumatoid arthritis and was unable to maintain her own dental hygiene. Unfortunately, her assisted living facility didn't have the resources to help her maintain her dental health either. Once her dental health deteriorated, her overall health deteriorated too. It wasn't long until she had multiple tooth extractions and a severe stroke. That's when Emily put her Stanford background in microbiology and immunology to work. She created an oral care lozenge, or Smart Mint, that manages oral bacteria to promote strong teeth, healthy gums, and fresh breath. Daily Dental Care is a life sciences company dedicated to addressing public health by targeting the root cause of dental disease. Because let's face it, we all could use a little extra help supplementing our daily dental care routine. Visit dailydentalcareswithans.com or go to Amazon to purchase our lozenges and use promo code DDC95502 for a 25% discount on your first purchase. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Daily Dental Care lozenges are not intended to replace daily dental hygiene practices. 
to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund. Uh, Karen Nelson Johnson is not able to be with us today. Next week, we'll be back, uh, the two of us, talking about daily dental care. So that should be cool. And in studio right now is Emily Torgan Crimson, and she is the uh, founder of EatForEquity.org. And we've been talking about the event she comes up. It's coming up on March 3rd, where you're raising money for the um, Immigrant um, for the, uh, yeah, immigrant, the immigrant Law, law Center, Center of Minnesota. So I didn't break. I said I was going to connect this, the unrelenting application of reason, because right now the food system is just totally insane. I mean, we're, we have nitrates in our water. We, we're producing, our food is produced with over a billion pounds of pesticides every year. We're creating dead zones in the water. Our soils are dying. That's our industrial system, and we need to find a way. I don't want to live. Does that, does that sound <laughs> sane to you, Emily? <laughs> Um, and yeah, I, I, um, I grew up having grown up on a hobby farm and in a farming community. I, um, I've experienced or, or have, have seen both small scale and then, you know, sort of the, the classic and, um, classic conventional styles of farming. And I, uh, with Eat for Equity, we really try to support the kind of, um, the kind of food system that we want to see, an equitable food system as well. So something that's been important to us really from the beginning is uh, using local and organic ingredients in our food and um, being willing to pay a little bit more money for that, being creative, being able to stretch that dollar that we do spend locally. Um, you know, we typically will spend about $3, 2 to $3 per person on food costs. And um, we're able to do that because we're uh, we we cook seasonally. We limit the meat that we serve. We rely on some donations, but pretty typically we'll spend all that money. Um, uh, and we want to support our, our local farmers, and we want to we want the the dollars that we spend on food to be supporting an equitable community as much as the the dollars that we raise support. Uh, what we think is an equitable community. And uh, we also, um, both in the nonprofit community feast that we do and in our catering business, we prioritize purchasing from women-owned, minority-owned, cooperatively-owned businesses. Um, so that's really important to us. We can absolutely have an impact on um uh, locally, at least, if we spend, if we're thoughtful about where we spend our money, right. And if we're all thoughtful about where we spend the money, then we kind of can move towards um, something that's far more enriching for all of us. Absolutely, absolutely. So I want to get some more information. Now, you started this 2006. You started Eat for Equity with this idea of this one party that just kind of organically emerged. And now, tell us about the history uh, from 2006 to. Yeah, so you guys have been going for over 12 years now. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, kind of crazy to to think about. So um, we, when I moved to Minneapolis after college, I started doing dinners in my in my duplex in South Minneapolis, and uh, invited everybody I knew in the city, which wasn't that many people at the time, <laughs> and then said, if you like this, invite everybody you know. And um, then we began about a year after that. My my friend Jane hosted the very first um, dinner outside of my house. And it was a great experiment because what we discovered was that um, people would come to a party at her house that wouldn't have come to a party at my house because I'm a stranger or it was a, a neighborhood that they didn't know or if it was a cause that they didn't have a connection to. But then once they came to their first dinner, they were much more likely to come to the next, even if it was in a new neighborhood for a new organization, uh, because they knew that they would find great people. It would be a great cause. It would be a good meal. It was accessible. It was positive. It was delicious. And so that was a really organic way to grow the organization. Um, at one point, it was like, if you like this, don't tell anybody. <laughs> um <laughs> And then about four years ago, we started to, to, to grow and grow here and, and have branches around the country who were doing grassroots dinners as well. And, um, and then uh, 
we embarked on a tour to visit those branches and discover that they were doing amazing work in their own communities um, and that it was it was very grassroots and volunteer driven by nature, which meant that it was really hard to to pass on leadership to other volunteers and um, and that like the the sweetness of of hosting pop-up dinners in, in homes, um, it, 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 like the model, the model supported grassroots dinners and fundraising for other organizations really well. Uh, it was a great tool for community building. Right, it wasn't I mean, really set up to be a, a national entity supported by branch contributions. And, and so we, we sort of sat with that model and, and changed it and decided that instead of encouraging branches, what we wanted to do was encourage dinners and give people tools, cookbooks, uh, cookbook downloads uh, to, to do that for themselves. So here, so it's a beautiful idea you have. So you have a host your own feast for a cause. So anyone can do this. You don't need to get a 501c3 document. You don't need to do any of that. You you host a feast for a cause and you have the recipe to do this free and anyone can access yeah. that on your website. Right now we've got three, well, you have to sign up for the cookbook download list. Uh, but <laughs> once you do, you get three cookbook downloads and one's themed around love and Valentine's Day, another around gratitude and Thanksgiving. And um, the one that we'll be releasing really soon is is tied to our Bonnaroots community dinner. So every year for the last six years, Eat for Equity uh, has partnered with Bonnaroo Music Festival, which is an incredible uh, music and art festival just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, we partnered with Bonnaroo and Oxfam America to produce these farm-to-table dinner fundraisers in the middle of the festival that we call Bonnaroots, as in, like, you know, roots. And um, and so we released a, a cookbook encouraging people to do the same. And so when we go to Bonnaroo this year, what we'd really love is people cooking along with us, hosting their own community feasts, using that using that recipe book and raising money for a cause that they care about in their own community. Um, you don't have to start a branch in order to host an awesome dinner for a cause. Um, you can use this toolkit or, or your own, frankly, you know, just an, an Eat for Equity inspired dinner is that everybody has the tools to make a difference and that, you know, things are, things, magical, amazing things can happen when we come together around a table for something greater than ourselves. So uh, amazing things can happen when we come around the table for something greater than ourselves. And, you know, in these times that can feel so heavy every time we turn on the news, we really need this rest and respite, don't we? I think it's more important than ever that we connect with people who are a little different than us and, um, and that we share something together, even if it's just a meal or uh -huh. if even if it's you know even if the conversation is just as basic as hey can you pass that dish <laughs> what do you think about it um uh when you're sitting <laughs> when you're sitting at a table you connect you share part of yourself you share your own story sort of naturally and that's the kind of experience and connection that we want to encourage yeah this connection so you're listening to food freedom radio the, uh, the progressive voice of minnesota and we're talking with eat for equity still time for your calls 952-946-6205 Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis, and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Did you know that tooth decay is the most common disease in America? And that over half the American population has some form of periodontal disease? Simply brushing and flossing don't seem to be enough. The abundant bacteria in your mouth thrive off sugar to produce acid and plaque. But what if you could actually prevent bacteria from converting sugar into the harmful byproducts responsible for tooth decay and periodontal disease? Daily Dental Care is a life sciences company that leverages our microbiology expertise to create oral care products that promote strong teeth, healthy gums, and fresh breath. 
Our lozenges safely and effectively neutralize harmful bacteria and their disease-causing byproducts like acid and plaque without harming health-promoting bacteria that guard your mouth against the destruction that sugar causes. Supplement your daily dental hygiene routine with our convenient dental lozenges. Go to dailydentalcareswithans.com or Amazon to purchase and use promo code DDC95501 at checkout for a 25% discount on your first purchase. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Daily dental care lozenges are not intended to replace daily dental hygiene practices. Supporting the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities has never been easier. You'll find an expansive list of local dining options at eatlocalminnesota.com from classic American comfort food to authentic flavors from around the world. Enjoy all the flavors of Milton's, where they specialize in dishes like grilled jerk chicken, shrimp and grits, and much more, all made from scratch. Pick from Milton's large selection of beer and wine and finish it off with desserts like Bananas Foster. Milton's also serves breakfast every day starting at 7.30 a.m. The Seward Co-op Creamery Cafe is ready for the cold. Serving seasonal dishes using locally sourced ingredients, Minnesota craft beers, and organic wines. New items include the cauliflower po'boy, harvest chili, braised beef tostada, and the pork banh mi. Find Seward Co-op Creamery Cafe at 2601 East Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis and online at coopcreamery.coop. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. With your AM950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today you'll see a high near 31 with a 60% chance of precipitation. Tomorrow there's a 20% chance of snow before noon with a high near 39. And on Monday, snow is likely before 11 a.m. with a high near 23. The Bad Waitress in Northeast Minneapolis is a bit more grown up than its sister on Nicollet. This finer diner vibe has a full bar serving craft cocktails and a brand new inventive dinner menu. The Bad Waitress buys organic and local and you can visit them at 700 Central Avenue in Northeast Minneapolis or online at thebadwaitress.com. of change. I'm Laura Headland. Karen Olson Johnson is not able to be with us, but you can join the conversation 952-946-6205. And in studio, uh, Emily Torgrimson with uh, Eat for Equity. And so you st- so in 2006, you wanted to do something for Katrina. You started this cooking thing. And now 12 years on, this is your full-time job. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, one other person. We have another full-time staff member uh, with our catering uh, business, which is called Eat for Equity Catering. It's now a separate standalone benefit corporation and uh, part-time staff members through that. Um, but we Eat for Equity itself really relies a lot on volunteers, our board, volunteer organizers. You know, At the welcome table, there'll probably be 40 or so volunteers, people who have given their time throughout the event to make that happen, whether they're uh, cooking, whether they're the featured cook or support cooks, servers, dishwashers. There's a lot of people who give of themselves and their both their skills and their time to make these events a success. We are totally volunteer-driven, and we couldn't do anything without people giving, giving of themselves. So... Uh, when you come to the welcome table or any other community feast uh, with Eat for Equity, just know that volunteers made the food. And I think it's even more impressive when you taste how great it is, as you think like people who are not professional chefs made this food together with a lot of love. And and also that's one of the joys for me of being in the kitchen uh, with people is to see how they do connect Um by chopping onions together, and you know, for one of the the previous welcome table dinners, um, one of the chefs, uh, Uni, made sambar from Kerala, India, and it was essential that we <laughs> we made tamarind paste by hand. So we're soaking and peeling the tamarind pods, and then pushing them out and turning them into a pulp all together. So basically, you know, all the cooks in the kitchen are working in tandem on this this job, and um, his. 
his father and mother came to came to volunteer and they're you know sort of dwarfed by this massive pot of sambar in the stove and um, just an intergenerational cross-cultural mix of people in the kitchen all really getting along and making something great together I love that. I absolutely love that because it's it's the whole. It's it is it, 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 it's just so cool that uh, that people with all these differences, and then you find our, those differences aren't really all that large, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, and food is a place of comfort. Absolutely, and I think it's always really interesting to me to see how the cooks from you might think disparate parts of the world how there's a lot of there's actually a lot of through line and some of the flavors of overlapping flavors and oh, we also make a bean dish or we also have this and um, so both the the commonality and then the uniqueness too. So at a previous welcome table dinner. Uh, one of the one of the chefs, Filiberto, made nopales, uh, enchiladas, so um, cactus salad. And I tried and cooked cactus for the first time. Okay, cactus salad. So, um... yeah, this was something that he grew up with, and in LA, his his dad had a, a cactus in the backyard, and well, some of his early memories are his, of his dad um, sawing off. Sawing off <laughs> pieces of the cactus, and um, you, you, you know, in many ways, you treat it like a green bean, but you, you have to, uh, you, you slice, you, you de, de, um, you de needle it. De needle it, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry about um, yeah, no, no mixing worries, up the term. No worries. Uh, you scrape the needles off. You slice it into strips. You boil it. You drain it, and you, you sort of get some of the little slime off, and then. What he did for it was um, toss it in a you know in a lime and a red onion and tomato and avocado, um, mm. and then topped it with cotija. So um, that was that was something I'd never tried or made before, and I think it was an introduction for a lot of people, uh, and um, and also like there's it it paired really well with. With the sambar and uh, with the with the Norwegian Italian um, <laughs> dessert, and uh, and so you see how both we're through food we have these unique flavors um, that complement can complement each other really well. Great, and um, so again the event is Saturday March third, and uh, and people do need to sign up in advance for that. Yes, it's because a- there's there's set seating. It's family style. For many of our dinners, it is a come one, come all, house party style. There's always room for everybody. For this dinner, we want to make sure that you have a seat at the table, um, and there's a limited number of, of seats available. So I invite people. Of course, they're welcome to, to come, and but please RSVP ahead of time. And say again, it's, it's pay. the suggested donation is $25, but it's... Right. It's give what you can. So you get to decide, do I want to give more? Do I want to give less? Do I want to give at the door? Give the suggested donation. Um, uh, donate my time as a volunteer. Okay. And then the money goes to raise uh, immigrant for the Immigrant Law Center of Minnesota. That's right. And tell us a little bit about that organization. Sure. So um, they work on a number of different fronts. Um, uh, they... Uh, they essentially provide support services, legal counsel. Um, they have there's a, a fund, for example, for um, for DACA applicants, so that to apply is that, I mean, to apply that's is heartbreaking. A, people may not be aware of that. These people have people have to spend a lot of money for their DACA. right, it's right. Really so hard. there's a fund to support support them in that process. Um, they do a lot of work, and you'll hear more about their work at the March third event. Their staff um, and volunteers and supporters will also be at the dinner, probably sitting across the table from you. So that's one of the things that we love is that uh, you can you can also have a, a more in depth conversation with um, supporters of that organization. And it's the coming together of a lot of different communities. So in the years that you've been doing this now, you've raised some, um, you've raised some, uh, you have some nice statistics you <laughs> sure. can share about how much you've done. Yeah, I mean, we've done over 100 dinners in Minneapolis, um, raised 
over a quarter of a million dollars for organizations that address inequities in health, the environment, education and opportunity, short-term relief, and development. I, that money might sound impressive, it might not, but what it's composed of is $10 contributions, $25 contributions, $5 contributions, 50 bucks. And, um, and so for me, that, that's incredible. It's like it's, it's so many people giving just a little bit um, to support causes in our community really making a difference. And the other thing I love about it is it's regenerative fundraising because not only is it the money that you're giving to the organizations, but you're also supporting the local food system. You're supporting yourself. And you're creating an economic infrastructure for sanity and kindness. <laughs> You know, and for some that really represents who humans really are, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, the other thing that's kind of hard to quantify is how many people come to a dinner not knowing anything about an organization and then falling in love with that organization and giving more to them on a later date, you know, becoming a regular donor or becoming a becoming a volunteer for that organization. I've heard lots of anecdotal stories from Eat for Equity guests who have um, – have continued to support an organization that they first heard about at an Eat for Equity. So I think making those dinners accessible is is important because, you know, you're not going to go to a gala for an organization you know nothing about, but would you go to a party, throw in, throw in 10 bucks, and, um, and then find yourself really feeling excited about and supporting that, that organization's work in the future? We feel like part of our impact is building a community of support around the nonprofit work that's happening locally and also building connections between individuals. Right. And so, and the whole, um, the, the, the role of food in creating an equitable system. I mean, food is a place we come together, but food is also very, a powerful tool for uh, manifesting something that's kind and sane. (laughs) <laughs> for me, that's like the way that I view the world. It's like always through food. Everything's food. Um, but the reason why I'm so obsessed with it is because I have seen it be this incredible tool for bringing people together, for telling your own story, for connection, for community impact. Like for me, food is really exciting when it can do more than just feed you or um, or look good. Um, it's it's really about uh, that connection. Yeah, food is food is human. Food is food is makes foods. We need food to live, right? <laughs> as, as far as I can <laughs> tell. <laughs> so I mean, joining us by phone right now is Graham um, Merriweather, and he um, is out with a new documentary. His first one was American Beef, American Meat, and his new one is Farmers for America. So um, thanks for calling in, Graham. And one of the things that your film points out is that half of America's farmland is going to change hands in the next 12 years, and the average age of the U.S. farmer is 60. So uh, welcome to the show, Graham. Hi, Laura. Pleasure to be here. So we've been talking with Eat for Equity, and and I just I want to connect these dots. But but tell us about your new film. Well, basically, uh, I had the the pleasure to go around the country and film with a number of of young people who are either interested in agriculture or starting farms, and we're really just looking to tell stories of young people who are facing challenges. So some of the problems that that farmers face, and then also solutions that are being presented. So some young young farmers and older farmers who have been able to get around some of the challenges that we have with access to land and access to capital uh, and access to knowledge. Because it's really hard, isn't it, for young farmers? There's a lot of struggle out yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. We had a, one of the stories in our film is a, a young farmer in Missouri who he's trying to get land and and he can't he can't afford the land so he has to sort of give up on his dreams for a little bit to become a rural post office delivery man uh so yeah there's just a lot of there's a lot of challenges i mean he still he still believes he can do it and i still believe he can do it uh we just really don't make it very easy currently for young people to get in because of how expensive land is and expensive the equipment is so we really really want to start to look to new models so that 
the young people can get farming. And these new models is so important to, to form new models. And, and Graham, in studio right now with us is, is Emily Torgrensen. And in 2006, she did a house party where she invited people to eat. And now, 12 years later, she has Eat for Equity, where she hosts these meals, these fantastic meals that also raise money. And it she only uses, um, most of her ingredients come from local sourcing, from 80% local sourcing. And so she's formed a new model, and and you're and, and all these local farmers and young people are trying to form new models. And how do we coalesce to create this new model? And maybe one of the ways we do it is by getting to the heart of why people want to create the new model. And we're going to take a break, but when we come back, that's that's part of what we're going to be talking about is why do we want to create a new model, and how do we create the new model, and can we do it now? Can we do it faster? So you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coop. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shambot from Shambot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. We always offer a free exam and x-rays for new patients because we believe you shouldn't have to pay to find out what's wrong with your teeth. Call today. We're open early and late and Saturdays to fit your schedule. As my daughter Rachel says, If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. As a family-owned business, Standard Heating and Air Conditioning has been serving the Twin Cities since 1930. A new furnace and air conditioner from Standard Heating and Air can lower your monthly utility bills, administer more consistent temperatures, and even improve indoor air quality, making your home safer and healthier for the whole family. The average heating and cooling system lasts 15 to 20 years, so if yours is on its last legs, call Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Learn more at standardheatingdeals.com. Saturdays at 1 p.m., you have a chance at a fresh start, a new beginning. Hi, everybody. This is Freddie Bell, host of New Beginnings. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, spirituality, and even entertainment. Every day is a chance for a fresh start. Join us Saturdays at 1 p.m. for New Beginnings with Freddie Bell on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Chunk Gaming Wisconsin, wherever you are and however you like it, we're just the place you're looking for. Six unique, fun, exciting, winning destinations located throughout central Wisconsin. Make your rounds to Wittenberg, Nakusa, Black River Falls, Toma, Madison, or Wisconsin Dells for the hottest slots, most exciting games, award-winning guest service, delicious food and spirits, lodging, and live entertainment. Join the Ho-Chunk Gaming Rewards Club for free. And with a single card, you can earn valuable points no matter which of the six locations you choose to play. That means more exclusive offers, giveaways, cash back, discounts, and much more. Visit us online to see all we have to offer and find the fun times nearest you at HoChunkGaming.com. So wherever you are and however you like it, we're just the place you're looking for. Ho-Chunk Gaming Wisconsin, Wittenberg, Nakusa, Black River Falls, Toma, Madison, and Wisconsin Dells. Experience the difference, Gaming Wisconsin. Must be 21 or over to play. So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, Karen Olson-Johnson, and I will be back together uh, next week. Um, but joining us right now by phone is the producer of the new movie, Farmers for America, a documentary to celebrate and support young farmers. Um, welcome, uh, Graham. Tell us a little bit about uh, hey. the movie and the showing you'll have in the Twin Cities. Yeah, so we're... We're really excited. We're going to do actually a free screening uh, at the University of Minnesota on March 1st, and it's from 6 to 9. Uh, the film is 75 minutes. We have a panel discussion uh, with local farmers, 
Uh, we're going to have some light refreshments. And, yeah, it should be a really wonderful evening to talk about how we can support young farmers in Minnesota and also across the country. And then how do people get information about this? We have an Eventbrite page, and we also have a page on our film website, which is FarmersForAmericaFilm.com. And there's also a Facebook event. If you look up uh, Tate Hall, Farmers for America, University of Minnesota, you'll be able to find the details there. And so um, tell us the story of what it's like to be a beginner farmer in, um, in America and, and, and why are people trying to go back to the land and, and start their own farms? Well, it's a lot of, it's a lot of different stories, and, and our film is very much a, a patchwork of stories. We have about 20 farmers that are featured in the film from every geographic region in the United States. Uh, and so that's, I think, part of the, hopefully, the power of the film is that you get to see so many different perspectives and so many different ideas and also so many different challenges and, and opportunities. Because one thing as I've had the opportunity to go around and talk to different farmers is you realize that there is no sort of template. You know, what works in Vashon Island and Seattle doesn't necessarily work in uh, upstate New York, which doesn't necessarily work in Iowa, but what works in Minnesota, you know, maybe someone could use parts of that for their farm in California or Mississippi. And so each farmer is kind of figuring out on their own how to make it work for themselves. Emily, isn't that what you kind of found too? That there's not, it's not like one template. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think what Graham's alluding to too is like, yeah, I think diversifying the sources of income in your business model like it seems to that's that's what has made sense for us um and it's sort of what i see see mirrored and 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 some of the farmers that we work with so like not only not only growing the cabbage but making it into kimchi and selling it and unfortunately means that or fortunately or for, unfortunately it means that farmers and and food entrepreneurs uh, need to wear a lot of different hats in order to be successful and get good at various kinds of businesses. I don't, I don't know if that mirrors your own uh, the stories that you've that you've been uh, or the people that you've been following, Graham. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things you see uh, more and more farmers doing is creating, they see a lot of potential waste with their vegetables, so they create shelf-stable jams and jellies and butters. Uh, There's one of our farmers who started doing moonshine from his family's apples. Uh, And, yeah, there's just a lot of different different ways to to make your farm uh, financially viable. Uh, But there's definitely, you'll have one CSA that has a 1,000 members, and it's just, flourishing. There's another one that has 30 members, but they're doing something else. So everyone kind of figures out what works for their farm. And obviously a lot of it has to do with your experience. Uh, one of the one of the big challenges I think that the local food movement faces is that a lot of the farmers are first-generation farmers that don't have a lot of experience. And so really the thesis of our film is that you have these, you have these towns in rural America that are dying, uh, where the main street has been slowly closing down the hardware stores, the beauty parlors, uh, and then all that's left is a post office and a grain elevator. And so you have all of these really, there's a lot of love and passion in these small rural towns, but there's also a lot of anger and pain because they're dying and no one's noticing. And so the local food movement has all of this, this vitality and youth and excitement, uh, but basically doesn't have the experience and the efficiency. And so one of, I guess the thesis of our film is that if we can find a way to combine the experience and efficiency of rural America and the conventional food system with the youth and vitality and innovation of the local food movement, then we can create our next agriculture together, which uh, could be something even more incredible than, than what we could ever imagine. Well, again, we have only three minutes left in the show, and I have this flood of ideas because it is about the intersectionality. Um, I went to a great thing with the co-op, um, 
It was also sponsored by the Farmers Union yesterday. It was the College of Cooperatives. And and so this one young, this one farmer, now he's like in his 60s or 70s, and he said when he started his farm, the co-op actually lent him the money that was so critical and how important those cooperative structures are. And and when you said we need the infrastructures, how do we create a, the economic infrastructure for, I'm going to say it again and again, a kind, sane world? Because I think we really need farming that supports water and farming that supports soil and farming that supports people in a really kind way. And I don't feel like our industrial system is very kind. Do you guys agree with me? Well, I would, I would actually say that in the 1950s, we asked America's farmers to produce the cheapest food, the most plentiful, plentiful food that possible, and they delivered. And so that they set up the infrastructure to give us the 99-cent meal at McDonald's, and that's what we asked for, that's what we bought, and that's what we ate. And so I think the first step here, if we want if we want them to change, we don't want to say, you're bad. We want to say, thank you. Like, thanks for delivering what we asked for. And now, as a culture and as a nation, we're asking for something different. But the, but the first step, I think, in bringing together these two worlds is actually showing gratitude for, for the industrial food system because it delivered what we asked for. And now they put all the money and time and infrastructure into creating that system, and we're asking them to change. So it's going to take some time and some patience and some love and some healing. And so I think that's really what we're trying to do with this film is to say, hey, thanks for what you did. Now America's looking for something different, and let's build that next agriculture together. Thank you, Graham. I love that. Now, again, the details on your event is March 1st. It's That's a- right. March 1st, uh, the film begins at 7. We're having a reception at 6. Uh, I'll be there. We have a number of amazing young farmers, Eric Sanderud. Awesome. Uh, we've invited Eduardo Rivera. Uh, we also have Reginaldo Hazlitt, Merrill Queen on the panel, and we're talking to other farmers all of those have been guests on food freedom radio so (laughs) hey thank you so much for joining us by phone graham and we look forward to seeing you on march 1st and people can also get it at uh, leaveitbetter.org so details about that i'll also put it on leaveitbetter.com but uh yeah thank thank you so much laura it was a real real pleasure and it's always a pleasure to be a guest on your show awesome we have a wonderful day and again your event emily Yeah, it's a couple days after the screening. Uh, It's March 3rd at PICA. It's called The Welcome Table. And you can RSVP at eatforequity.org or at bit.ly slash RSVPE4E. And you can also go on your line and figure out how to do your own house parties. Absolutely. Get your own regenerative regenerative world going. Thanks so much. Thank you. And uh, thank you for listening to Food Freedom Radio.